That was Michigan Congressman Andy Levin last Wednesday at a rally outside the Dirksen Senate office building, where hundreds turned out to support Senate cafeteria workers who voted to join Unite Here Local 23 last fall. Doing the exact same work that our workers do today, serving the, the politicians in there. And they struck fighting for good wages. They struck fighting for good health care. And that's exactly what we do today. But you know what? It's shameful. 69 years later, we still are fighting the same fight for our members who served the politicians in that building. And that was Marlene Patrick Cooper, president of Unite Here Local 23. As she spoke, a Senate cafeteria worker held up a photo from 1969 when, according to Dr. James R. Jones, black dining workers walked out of the Senate to demand higher salaries. Now, so far, I haven't been able to track down the details of that 1969 walkout, but it turns out there was a long and bitter strike in 1948. As Craig Simpson wrote in the Washington Spark, two cold winds swept into Washington, D.C. in the winter of 1947-1948, a brutally cold season and the onset of the Cold War. For the cafeteria workers in government buildings in the District of Columbia, neither development was welcome. According to Marcella Pope, It was in 1948 in Washington, D.C. that Local 471 of the Cafeteria and Restaurant Workers Union experienced its most stressful period when 1,300 members were forced into the streets by Government Services Incorporated for a period of 79 very cold and bitter winter days. The workers were despaired and crushed down, not because they didn't believe in their cause, but because of real life-threatening reasons. To quote union leader Oliver T. Palmer, funds were low, 1,300 people were on strike, and the union's back was against the wall. And so it was that, in the tradition of the words of a song by Joe Hill, a union activist and writer of songs and poetry who was framed and executed in Salt Lake City, Paul Robeson came to the side of working men and women on strike. He came to the nation's capital at his own expense, and in a concert, he lifted that magnificent, big, booming voice in songs of free people, of working people in struggle, of songs which told of his unwavering love for all humanity, in songs which cried out against injustice and exploitation. 
all of the proceeds of that concert, together with Paul's own $5,000 contribution, went to those striking men and women. And he did it all for a small group of low-paid food service workers that they might walk in dignity and sit down at a table and bargain for a living wage. I saw Joey last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. Paul Robeson singing to Scottish miners in 1949. Before that, the words of Marcella Pope writing in 1982. Here's Bernie Sanders again at last Wednesday's rally. The only way the change has ever taken place, and the only way the change will take place now, is when working people stand up and fight for justice. And what a union is about, and what struggle is about, is what you have already accomplished. Because you stood together, and don't kid yourself and think there's any other reason, because you stood together and said, you know what? You're not going to lay off over 50 workers. They rescinded it. They're not laying off over 50 workers. You made that happen. You had the courage to form a union last year to say that you want decent wages and decent benefits and that any worker who works for a contractor paid by the United States government should earn decent wages and benefits. So the good news is they rescinded that effort to lay off 50 plus workers. The bad news is you still don't have a contract. So our job now is to work together and I know that I speak for many members of the Senate. We're gonna work together to make sure you get that contract and you get the benefits that you negotiated for. The other thing we are trying to do all over this country is to grow the trade union movement. That's right. I come from a working class family, you come from working class families. And the only way that we ever get our fair shake from people who own this system is when we stand up and when we fight together. I want to congratulate you. You're an inspiration to a whole lot of people for what you're doing. Keep up the good work, and I'll be there with you. Thank you all very much. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, here's Michigan Congressman Andy Levin again. Andy's a longtime union organizer and a former colleague at the AFL-CIO. So listen, this is kind of a solemn moment. Some of us are going to walk somewhere. I don't know where the heck we're going. I followed Marlene. And we're going to go in the street, I believe, and we're going to get arrested. You workers, I am so amazed by you. You leaders of this union, you allies, whoever the heck's going out here. I'm just here to stand with you to say if you're willing to put your body on the line, I'm putting my body on the line because we're not going to give up until you have a just first contract. So you ready to go? No respect, no peace, no justice, no peace. If we don't get-
get some justice, you don't get no peace. I say if we don't get some justice, you don't get no peace. I say if we don't get some respect, you don't get no peace. No justice, no peace. No respect, no peace. No contract, no peace. And with that, hundreds of Senate cafeteria workers and their supporters blocked the street in front of the Dirksen Senate office building. And though it's a long way from that icy strike in 1948 to the blazing asphalt in the 2022 summer heat, perhaps the distance is not so far after all. I suspect the cafeteria workers who walked out in 1948 or 1969 would recognize today's chance. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1877. That was the day Louisville sewer workers walked off the job. The Daily American reported that hundreds of black sewermen stopped work and began marching through the streets armed with picks and shovels. They went from one sewer construction site to the next, calling workers out to strike for higher wages. The Great Railroad Strike of 1877 had clearly impacted workers in mid-southern cities like Memphis, Nashville, and Louisville. Historian Stephen J. Hoffman observes these workers were able to capitalize on strike threats to advance their demands. Railroad bosses for the Louisville, Nashville, and Great Southern had rescinded pay cuts for mechanics and engineers. But they had not raised wages for the lowest paid laborers. Those laborers joined sewer workers in their march through the city. By nightfall, the mass of the integrated strikers marched to the LNN depot, clashing with police. Some broke off to march to the short line depot, smashing windows of the mayor's house on the way. Though the crowd was largely dispersed by early morning, Louisville was now in the midst of a general strike. Hoffman describes the scene. Workers at the metal shops and foundries downtown struck for higher wages. There were reports of strikes at the Kentucky Lead and Oil Works. All the downtown furniture factories, woolen mills, horse collar makers, and tobacco factories, as well as by many of the city's coopers, brickmakers, and African-American levy workers. Many of the demands of these workers, which tended to focus on wages and hours, were met and they returned to work quickly. Though southern cities avoided railroad strikes for the most part, they could not evade the Great Strike's impact on other sectors of the workforce. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. That's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. 
In her 1982 report, Marcella Pope noted that in the years since the 1948 strike, the United Cafeteria Workers and Restaurant Workers would take great steps forward. Today, the union, the majority of its members are still women, including women of all races and nationalities, is a vital part of Unite Here Local 23, the Hotel and Restaurant Workers Union, one of the largest unions in the metro Washington area. Marcella had a long association with the D.C. labor movement. She worked for many years for the United Labor Agency, which is now the Metro Washington Labor Council's Community Services Agency. She died in 2005 in Indianapolis. Thanks very much to Lisa Garlock for bringing Marcella's words back to life. Craig Simpson's terrific piece on the 1948 strike goes into much greater detail than we could cover here, including how the 1,400 members of United Cafeteria and Restaurant Workers Local 471, a predominantly African-American union in Jim Crow, Washington, D.C., took on both a company intent on union bus and the Taft-Hartley Act in a 78-day strike in the frigid winter of 1948 that included battles on the picket line between the AFL and the CIO and between President Harry Truman and Congress. It's called Against the Cold Wind, the 1948 Cafeteria Workers' Strike, and we've got a link to it in the show notes. Craig, by the way, was a labor activist for 50 years in the D.C. area. He's a graduate of the National Labor College, the former secretary-treasurer of Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 689, and a former executive director of United Food and Commercial Workers, Local 400. He also worked for the Metro Washington Labor Council, where I met him, as well as Progressive Maryland. He's a former bus operator for the Washington Metro Area Transit Authority, and he currently lives in North Carolina. Thanks to both Saul Schneiderman and Patrick Dixon for their invaluable research assistance. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you love labor history as much as we do. You can help more folks find this show by liking it in your podcast app and passing it along. It's also really helpful if you leave a review. Thanks, as always, to Labor History in Two. That's a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show, a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. Labor History Today is produced by the Metro Washington Council's Union City Radio and the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pozak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks for listening. Keep making history. And see you next time. I dreamed I sought you here last night, alive as you and me, says I but Joe. You're ten years dead I never died, says he